This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> when we are beyond desire... We open to what is with no judgment, which allows being to flow into all our actions. Life simply moves through us. Valeria Telles interviews Fu Ding Cheng, the author of Map of Desire Blueprint for Self-Fulfillment. Fu Ding Cheng, visionary filmmaker and shamanic artist, began his career as a practicing architect but has since focused his attention on books, spirituality, and filmmaking. In 1990, he founded Liquid Light Productions devoted to help change the dream of the planet through shamanic workshops, art, books, and media. His multifaceted career includes a prize-winning series of films, Zen Tales for the Urban Explorer, presented as a special retrospective at the Hammer Museum. Music videos, Starship's We Built This City on Rock and Roll, nominated for Best Video of the Year, illustrated album covers, Hearts, Dog, and Butterfly, and wrote and illustrated a children's book, Dreamhouse. While teaching film directing at the North Carolina School of the Arts, he created a groundbreaking new curriculum, shamanic tools for the filmmaker. However, first priority over all vocational activities has been his lifelong devotion to spiritual awakening. Since breakthrough life-changing experiences in 1995, as apprentice to Toltec shaman Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements, Fuding has been impassioned to help spread the deepest wisdom to the widest number of people. For the last 20 years, he has been leading spiritual shamanic workshops distilled from his lifelong quest involving Eastern meditation in the Himalayas, Chinese Kung Fu, spiritual psychology, and Mesoamerican wisdom traditions. Based in Venice, California, he is now launching his latest book, Map of Desire, A Blueprint for Self-Fulfillment. Meet Fuding at fudingcheng.com and www.facebook forward slash fdcheng. Here is the interview with Fuding Cheng.
in your own words, who is Fudin Cheng? Fudin Cheng, this guy living in this physical body, this spiritual being who on earth had gone through a lot through life, a very difficult childhood that actually propelled me to take the spiritual path. And through the years, I actually woke up, thanks to Don Miguel Ruiz, that Totec shaman. And now I'm, I just want to spread the news. It was the hugest blessing to wake up from the dream of the planet, as we say in shamanic terms. And so from now on, I've dedicated my life through art and workshops and books to help spread the deepest wisdoms to the widest number of people. Yeah, thank you for what you do and how you do it in the um, artistic way. I love art. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> It's the most amazing thing. Speaking of um, shamanism, some people might not know what that is, although most people in my audience do. But talk to me about what is to be a shaman. How would you describe what that is? Oh, yeah. Nowadays, there's so many descriptions and conceptions of what a shaman is. And the way I see it is very simple and direct. A shaman is a person, man or woman, of this physical world who is able to have access to, let's call it the spiritual world, the non-physical world. And there they see insights, visions, healings, all sorts of things. And then they come back to the physical world to share it with their community. So there are people of two worlds. They can be healers, they can be visionaries, all kinds of things. Now, just to be clear, let's say a monk could also have access to the spiritual world, but they may not choose to share it with a physical community, not good or bad. Now, they can help as much from you know being a recluse as you could actively in the physical world. But for someone like me who loves making art and working the push and pull with students and so on, I like being in the physical world. So for in that case, the shamanic path is really great. And the other big thing about the shaman is it, may, it allows one to be very spiritual without being hooked in and falling in the traps of organized religion. How would you describe spirituality in relation to religion? Is that very different? Uh, yeah, there is, yes. Because let's say among, let's say all the religion, let's say in religion at large, let's call, seeing all the major religion. Well, there's a part of it that's philosophy, there's part of it is guidance from spirituality, there's part of it's just ceremony, and then social interactions and so on. So it's multi-layered. And a lot of it is politics. <laughs> you know, once you get to the danger, so there's the traps, as we know from organized religions that we can read in the newspaper all the time. So for someone who is, no, I don't want to get caught by no organized religion, but I, I like the spirituality And the spirituality side would be someone who can get access to that non-physical world. They see energies, they see insights, they see uh, their own shadow side, they see the full extent of who they are. Ultimately, there's a God part in all of us. In the shamanic tradition, you know, they use that word intent. Intent is almost synonymous with God, the will of God and the will of your higher being. And the East, they have the same thought, the Atman. Anyway, so spirituality would give you access to the Atman and intent. There is something, a benevolent universe, God, or higher being that is, uh, higher beings that are guiding us. 
And that brings me to the question of free will and control. Do we control our own lives, Fudin? Is this something that, or do we have a life even? Aren't we life itself? Oh, that's a real interesting question. How much is, let's say, predestination is off? And how much is your free will? The best answer I've gotten on that is kind of a mystery because that question can't properly be answered unless someone knows how much they want to stretch out to be free. So, for example, Ramakrishna has this wonderful image. Let's say, imagine a pole, like a tether pole, and you're, you're chained to it. Okay, someone can live their whole life but never even stretch that chain. So, to them, they, they're free, at least within their, you know, their territory of will, how much they want to do or not do. Okay, but let's say so a lot of us, and I'm sure a lot of your audience, no, wait, wait, I want to know more than the physical world. So, now you're starting to pull on that chain. Okay, then spirit in this Ramakrishna's um, beautiful way of saying it. Oh, then you start pulling on that chain. Okay, then spirit will come and pick up that pole, so to speak, and move it. <laughs> okay, now you have your freedom again. Okay, but let's say after a while, and there's many levels of consciousness. So ultimately, you can move, spirit can move that chain so that you would still have presumably free will within the desires of what you want to do or not do. You know, so it's relative. Ultimately, though, someone who really wants to go would break that chain and then they're really free. Is that something that's possible? In a way, we're already free, aren't we? This is already freedom, fulfillment. Oh, we are free, but do we know it? Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the, the piece, the missing piece. Do anything, which is at best have you remember, because like both in the shamanic tradition and in all my Eastern background with Vedanta philosophy, which is a terrifically profound philosophy. Anyway, all of them agree on that point. So we are inherently, like in the East, they would say, Satchitananda. Your natural essence is Satchitananda. Sat means you exist. Shit means you're conscious, you know, awareness, conscious, and Ananda is bliss, love. This is our natural state. Every baby that comes out has it, you can see. Now we, and then through life, it's and training, of course, we get domesticated, as you say, and then pretty soon it kind of gets uh, guided out of you, and then we forget. And then, so, but, but that does not deny our natural state. And this is not a theory, like, in my own case, wow, after I woke up, quote unquote, uh, through a ritual with Don Miguel, like I went through months where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be in utter bliss for no reason, you know, except I, I, I would just lay in bed. I move a twitch because I'm already in euphoria. And it would go on a couple hours until, I, my God, if I didn't have any appointments or something, I would stay there. And then one time I even fantasized gee, I'm writing this wonderful book and imagine it really coming through and then people really like it and then I'd be so happy to turn many people on to this and then what's the point? I'm already in this bliss. <laughs> yes, right. Um, you're already home, right? Yeah, and, I, and another thought, oh, this is Satchitananda, like I was just talking. It's not just a theory, it's experienceable. How would you describe that ultimate freedom now? Do we stay there in a sense with that feeling of freedom or this is something that's part of the 
unconditional freedom, kind of the feeling that we are free and the feeling that we are not free. Is that something that can move in both directions? Yeah, if I understand your question, then let's say let's say myself on a day-to-day level. Uh, okay, I'm washing the dishes, I'm minding my bills and so on. <laughs> yes, all that yeah, yeah. On. <laughs> However, at the same time, there's a part of me that is like a witness. In the shamanic tradition, they say that's a third attention, that's a technical term where you are out of the play of the world, even as you are participating in it, meaning your consciousness is kind of seeing it from above. In the Bible, they have that wonderful phrase, oh, then you'll be in the world, but not of the world. You know, so it's exactly the same where, oh, so you still participate in everything as much or little as you want, but you're never going to get caught by it because part of you, the bigger part of you is a witness watching this guy, this, oh, look at that guy. Oh, he made a mistake. Oh, dumb fellow. Oh, 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 look at, he reclaimed himself and up and down. And that guy is me. (laughs) You know, you're very detached, like watching a movie, you know? So that's how I kind of see, you know, my daily life now. I'm launching this and that. Oh, I want it to happen. And then before I might've been all caught up. Oh, gee, you know, expecting results or making attachments to the results. But now, oh, no, it'll be what it'll be. You do your best, of course, but it'll be what it'll be. There's a bigger forces in operation than my little ego. So you wrote the book, Map of Desire, Blueprint for Self-Fulfillment. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book, Fudin. Oh, yes. Uh, See, my background was an architect, and so I have a lot of... Uh, experience with, let's say, two uh, two-dimensional drawings that can allow someone to build, let's say, the Taj Mahal. So I knew the power of drawings and diagrams. So many years, as I was teaching shamanic practices, I would I would make a little diagram. You see, your ego is this part, and like this, and like that, and then your heart is here. You see, it's in the middle. You know, there were kind of diagrams to help someone visualize what we're talking about. And so one time in the workshop, I, I realized that I, I saw, you know, two students are saying, you see, you see, this is you right here. The rest of you, okay, this is your only problem. In other words, a drawing really helped someone visualize. And I knew, you know, in normal life, when you get lost, gee, a map really comes in handy. It puts everything in perspective. So then I had the thought, oh, you know, after I woke up and I asked Domingo, what should I do? And anyway... He says, you should teach. So I started thinking, it all kind of came together. I was staring in this fireball once. And I said, wow, I would love to do a book centered around a series of maps, as I see them, of our own psychological terrain. The ingredients of this terrain would be your ego, your judge, your uh, inner perception of yourself, the outer perception of yourself, uh, intuition, and so on. All the basic ingredients of uh, anybody's psyche. Just like we have, you know, everybody has the same basic structure in their skeletal frame, likewise with their psychological frame. So, wow, imagine an inner landscape that could be useful for people to see all the ingredients of our mind. And so that became the germinating seed for this book. And so it's a series of maps, as I see them, and they would show the development from pure being, like that Satchitananda we talked about. And then the birth of your soul, oh, wow, gee, okay, the mystery begins now, and then the formation of the human body and so on. 
all the way to our gross errors, the ego, you know, tyranny of desire, which is like our life now. And the maps that would then show the way out. And this is based on wisdoms east and west. You know, I compiled them all. And there's a place where they all agree. And that's where the book comes from. We started talking about healing for a moment, briefly off record. Talk to me again about healing as this ongoing process. I know that we try, we really want to have a destination for healing, but talk to me about that. What to expect when we go on a, on a healing journey? Oh, like my own journey, I, coming as an artist. I, at first, you know, like when Don Miguel kind of really urged me, wow, you can teach. And I said, gee, I don't know if I want to teach. I mean, I want to make art and films and something. And he said, oh, then teach through your art and films. But you might teach. <laughs> and I thought, well, so then I started teaching, and then the, the of healing naturally comes up because, you know, with uh, teaching, a lot of people have psychological wounds, myself included, that actually propelled me on this whole path. And so healing, at first I was kind of bothered by it because I thought, gee, I want to be an artist. I don't want to be around all the sick people. But then, since then, I saw that word, the root word of healing is hija, which means to make whole. And suddenly a light bulb moment. Oh, I can totally agree with that to hold because I saw my art as helping to make people whole in body, mind, and spirit. And then some, from then on, I was all aboard and being a healer. That resonated, right? That really, it sounded fun. It sounds fun to me, this combination of art and healing. Or anything that has to do with art, creativity, it tends to become lighter. Uh, I love that combination. Yeah, the, just the joy of creating is already a healing activity. No wonder little kids love to scribble away. You know, they're just naturally creative. Or we are naturally creative, unless our school drowned out and drowned it out of us. <laughs> Talk to me about clarity of intent. You mentioned briefly about what intent is from the uh, shamanic perspective, shamanic teachings perspective, that I never heard it that way. So you said something that caught my attention, the question you ask, what do we really or truly want? That's a very powerful question. Talk to me about that question. How do we know when we access that place of clarity, of knowing what we want, and also what, again, what intent really means? Oh, okay. So let's see. The phrase is clarity of intent. That's big in shamanic practices. So the clarity part is to be clear, to, to know what is, not what we should, not assumptions, not uh, prejudices, but what is. So that would be the clarity, not what we think it should be or anything like that. Okay, so that's one part. Intent in the shamanic tradition is a really mystical, profound, beautiful word. Intent assumes that you know, well, first of all, everybody knows intent in the level of our normal ego. We want something. We want furniture. We want a wife. We want a whatever. So that's your personal will. Okay, everybody knows that. But the shamanic practice, it takes it a whole other level because it assumes that part of you is also the God part of you. As we had said in Eastern thought, it would, they call it the Atman. That's the God part of you. Or Satchitananda, as we had said. So when you have an intent to do something in the shamanic tradition, not only you, your, our ego side, but also our God side, all want the same thing. 
wow, that just changes everything. That means, let's say you want a job. Okay, it is right. It is correct for your past. That means you, your God, and your, your ego are all aligned. It's powerful. So that's the, that's the basically clarity of intent when you really know what you want. Okay, now going back to your other question, like a lot of people, what do you truly want? So let's say when you don't have <laughs> get what you want, a lot of people want things, but most people don't get what they want because they don't really know what they want. They want something or then maybe two months later they change their mind or at the first sign of adversity they quit or uh, they want things that contradict each other and so on. Okay, so that's like going through life with your gas pedal and the brake at the, on at the same time. No, don't do that. <laughs> so what you do is make it so intent in the way the shamans use it. Make it so it, everything is aligned. Because what happens if you don't, let's say you'd like what your ego wanted, and that's happened with me a lot of times, and I want something and I work hard for it too, and I put good, good energy into it, and finally I got it, and then, wait a moment, I'm still not fulfilled. What happened? <laughs> and that's because then that brings up the question, what do I truly want? To answer that, then you want to switch from your ego side to your heart side. And why that's important is because your heart is a, a method for you to not only answer your ego side, but also your intuition, all that side too. When you want to know what you truly want, then you would definitely want to ask your heart. Because here's the thing, with the ego, here's Jung's definition of the ego, and then you'll understand. The ego is a bundle of thoughts that helps define your self-identity. Okay, it's just the thoughts, profound as it is. It's just your thinking side. But what about your loving side? The love, emotions, intuition, imagination. There's a whole vast world that it does not accommodate. So if you want to know what you truly want, oh, of course, not only the physical side and the ego side, but also your emotional side, your intuitive side. Okay, that leads to, of course, your God side, too. Then everything's in a line. And then when you fulfill that, then you will truly be answering and fulfilling your desires. Beautifully explained. I love this vision, this idea that we can unite. We can come together as a um, holistically, put all pieces together, per se. That's a beautiful vision. And you do talk about the um, three requirements for intent. You want to mention that? You have been saying, actually, the first one, uh, the impulse of the heart. But talk to me about the other two, the detachment from outcomes, no expectations. This is a, a tough one, or a challenging one for most of us. And then the uh, actions performed at our best. Yes. So so let's go back to the word in, intent. Okay, in one way, there's that wonderful theory about it. However, it is also a practice. If you are going to practice clarity of intent, oh, it'll take you all the way to your enlightenment. However, it has three requirements. And here's where the practice comes in. The first, you want to connect with spirit. Connect with your original essence, what we had called Satchananan, your essence. That means your wisdom and your love, basically, that in, that's inherent on us. Or being would be actually even more accurate. You know? So if you've, you've heard that from philosophy, East and West. No, our natural state, the beginning of everything is being. Okay, that, so you want to, con to do that, you would connect that through your heart. It's not a mind thing, it's a heart thing. 
Okay, so that's one step. The other step thing is you must be detached from outcomes. So desire, uh, intent is desire with no attachment to outcome. And what that does is free us up of so much anxiety when we worry, oh, I hope I get this, or I don't hope, you know, all that kind of anxiety. On a deeper level, it frees you up from maya, or in the shamanic tradition, we call it the dream of the planet. Layers and layers of delusion. Just look at the news today. (laughs) You know, you get so many. And then within ourselves, we might have a lot, you know. So we want to be free of the attachment to the outside world. Well, so the work then, of course, goes on from within, within, out. You want to help politics? It'll come from within, out. Just like Gandhi said, be the peace you want in the world from within, out. There's no escaping it if you want to be truly satisfied. Then the third step of, of it is do your best. So that implies a couple of things. One is that you're not just thinking the thing and being passive and wondering why nothing happens. No, no, it requires a little bit of action here. And you want to do it the best because like in the in the Eastern way, they say it. No, because your action now is for God. So you definitely want to do your best. And so so in doing best, you are doing it best. If you're a professional, then be professional, be on time, make the budgets and all that kind of thing. You want to be an impeccable warrior and all that. And then inside, you want to be coming from a good place. It's not for self-aggrandizement. It's not just for name and fame. No, it's for a bigger cause, bigger than you, which is in some way to help society, to heal society, to make it whole. And so when the third thing is to do your best, then you must heal your own wounds because a lot of times we have our own wounds. And with those three things, you will get your enlightenment. It'll be natural law. There's no way not to get it. Mm, yeah, I love that word, fooding in the uh, natural. Uh, if we can just flow, navigate this reality more naturally, not more naturally, but naturally, then it would be a different reality, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like nature is so perfect, always beautiful, never complains. <laughs> no stories, right? Yeah, no stories. Uh, although, wow, it's the most profound, you might, you might be telling the most profound story or delivering the most profound message, but in a very subtle and ah, the, the being, that's the being, isn't it? It's just yeah, being. It's like being expressed in form is Mother Nature. Thank you for saying that because ah, it resonates. <laughs> it resonates so true. Talk to me about the common pitfalls that can sabotage intent. Oh, uh, one one is you're not connected to spirit. You're not coming from your heart. So that's a big one. Look at all the so many desires. Well, just look at the world's uh, headlines. They're not coming from their heart. Okay, no wonder it's a message. Self-aggrandizement or this and that. Or, okay, so that's one pitfall. Another big one is to be detached. That's easy to say, difficult to do it because it requires self-discipline. There's no way out of it. So let's say me, uh, let's say I put uh, years into a book. Of course, I want it to be successful, but it may or may not be. You know, there's forces bigger than me, and I have to be detached and be happy about it. So thank God for the third attention so I can be happy about it. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> and then the third 
trap would be our own personal wounds. So let's say, for example, in my own case for years, not now anymore, but long, the way I was brought up, foster homes and beatings, etc., it, it sent so much anguish in me that even in college, I was like, oh, my God, there's no what's everything is going to be tragic. And so part of that wound was that nobody knows and nobody cares. And so that was not that that's true now, but that was the wounding. OK, so that would be my personal wound that I had to eventually dealt with. And then when I did, then everything changed. So everybody has their wounds. They might come into life with one or two issues. And that's probably the real work in their life and to deal with those things. And once that's clear, then that's a huge trap that you would have overcome. There's this chapter in your book, chapter 11, Beyond Desire. That caught my attention. You say, when we are beyond desire, we open to what is with no judgment, which allows being to flow into our, all our actions. Life simply moves through us. That resonated. I mean, I was kind of, it seems like I, these days I'm looking for something that energetically resonates with me. And that really did. Yeah. So, so you get to a point like the book, you know, it's called Map of Desire. So we're trying to fulfill desire. But you get to a point where your ego side is so in service of your God side, you don't have an ego desire anymore. You are sort of at one with nature. You're just like a tree. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> you know, it's growing, it's doing as beautiful as it can. Even if we abuse that tree, we don't feed it or something, it still does its best and never complains, etc. So you're flowing with life. And this is also in Eastern thought too, not just shamanic thought. So in Eastern thought, they say, oh, the Tao, go with the Tao. You know, it's like flowing along with the river. So I see myself like a, a cork in the rapids. You're just flowing along. And then if uh, even if you are submerged, you're not going to get hurt. You know it, you know. So you, And even if a boulder is coming at you, somehow the water is just somehow at the last minute flicks you around it and you just keep flowing. So that's like beyond desire. Your will is in service to God's will. And the God's will is within your own, own will, too, the God part of yourself as well. So you are at one with nature. Yeah, it's really challenging to believe with the mind, with the intellectual mind, rational mind, that this is something that we can wish for, that we can practice even to get to, because most of us are so attached to the ego self, to the personal desires that it's such a challenge. I call it the impossible to really detach. Oh, not, not impossible, difficult, but not because let's say I'm sure everybody, you know, at moments naturally goes, let's say, call it the heart side. Once you're on the heart side, then you are open to intuition, imagination, love, you know, the emotions. Okay, once you're open, then magic happens. So let's say in normal life, really look into a baby's eyes or walk into nature or shut your eyes and have three fragrant flowers and just really smell them and smell the difference. They're saying, I love you through the language of perfume and so on. You know, it's not rational. It's not logical. And it's, it's beyond like falling in love. is not a rational, logical thing. There's no proof or anything. Like, so if you love the kitty cat, Hey, there's nothing to prove. Someone said, prove it. Here's a microscope. Here's a yardstick. I don't have to prove it. I just love it. Oh, I don't think, I don't believe you. And then don't believe me, but I still love my kitty cat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to become a belief system. Love is not a belief system, right? Exactly. 
Exactly. I love your message. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being open to divine wisdom, as we call it, if we can oh, use yeah. words. Yeah. Thank you. It's only <laughs> nowadays. So the chapter 12 also caught my attention, Return to Being, which is um, the same message in a way, but it, with different descriptions. And then I love the practices in your book, too. It's fun. There are so many of them. There's a section about forgiveness that caught my attention, too. Chapter 9, healing the wounds that we, we have been talking about, um, how important it is, the healing piece. And uh, also something else that you, when you, you talk about feel the feelings and drop the stories, it also caught my attention, that message. Would you like to make a comment, Fudin, about forgiveness and feeling the feelings? Oh, yeah, like forgiveness. That's a, if you want to clean your physical body, you take a shower. If you want to clean your emotional body, forgiveness. Oh, that's the ultimate, ultimate. So let's say the worst things that can happen is, let's say, betrayal. You open your heart to somebody and they just stick it to you, right? That's the worst kind of wound. Like in the shamanic tradition, they say the first wound, the last test for a shaman, that's betrayal. <laughs> okay, but let's oh, say wow. you, yeah, isn't it? so let's say you were betrayed, you know, or any of these kind of indignit, indignities, you know, to our emotions. The ultimate way to clean that, to heal that is forgiveness. Now, our ego side says, oh, she's been uh, uh, jumping down my throat for 20 years. Why should I forgive him and let him go after 10 seconds? No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, that's how the ego thing. But no, that's not where the real action. Forgiveness is a way to release the emotional poison in your own psyche. Like, if you really can forgive, oh, I'm just going to let that go, right? Because when you do not forgive... That means you are holding that grievance, that anger, that rage, whatever, in your psyche, and, and it only hurts yourself. So when you're able to forgive, then that's the ultimate cleaning of it. And then what was the other thing? Um, oh, drop the, uh, feel the feelings, drop the stories. That's a really great one. So let's say you have two lines of defense. The first one is detachment. Okay, so let's say, like one time I did a big film project and it came to nothing. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, woe is me. Okay, and then I'm supposed to be detached. Okay, that actually solved a lot. Of, if I was truly detached, oh, okay, that's just a, you know, ebb and flow of life and that's that. Okay, but no, this time it somehow it got through, probably because I had spent so many years doing it and then it all fell apart. I was trying to launch a film. Oh, no, I feel miserable. Wait, from my shamanic practice, you're supposed to be in the minute, in the moment, and so on. Oh my God, but this moment is just misery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I actually meditated and just completely feel those feelings. There's no denial of those feelings. I have every right to feel miserable. There's no judgment, no blaming somebody. Wow, they should have done this. They should have do this. Society is terrible. They don't understand me. All that kind of stuff. No, let that all go. Feel the feelings. You have every right to feel the misery or sadness or whatever. Okay, so then, though, here's the key. You must drop what we call the stories. The stories are the blaming, the judgments, the self-pity. So let's say in my case with the films, like one reason the film fell apart was because uh, Bush had just invaded Iraq. 
I thought, oh, my God. Then the financial bankers said, like, oh, no, war. And then they all freeze up, of course, and precious about their money. And so then anyway, that triggered it and everything fell apart. So now as I'm meditating, feeling my feelings and dropping the stories, okay, one of those, quote, stories came out. God damn, that bush, you know, ruining my personal life. Whoops. That's the very story I should drop. So when you drop all the stories, then a real miraculous thing happens. You can imagine feelings as something like water. And the stories around it is like a container. So if the water's in that container, nothing flows. If it really kept there a long time, then it gets stagnant even. So if I kept saying, God damn, that, that bush, he makes it. And every time society comes, that's the trouble with politics. You know, they always ruin your personal life. Okay. As long as I have that container in there, then I'm going to be angry. Nothing falls. But because I was able to drop it, let it go. Okay, then what happens? Okay, now I still felt miserable. But then it starts to shift. Pretty soon it was anger at this and this and that. And then again, if there were stories, I dropped And Pretty soon the anger felt like uh, sadness. You know, some of it was legitimate sadness. And then pretty soon it turned to boredom. I got bored with my own feeling bad. <laughs> my <eyes. laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> no, it would have cost me years. And it had, you know, when I was much younger, like, you know, when you get a kind of betrayal like that, it can last for years. But this time in 20 minutes, it was really gone. So that's because you feel the feelings. There's no denial, but you drop the stories. That's the key. And then your energy, your emotions can really flow. It's just like kids playing in a sandbox. They might, you know, let's imagine you're the mother sitting on a bench and your kid's playing with somebody and all of a sudden they're arguing. You kind of peek up. Mm, I think I'll let them figure it out. Okay. You know, and then they figured out their emotions. And five minutes later, the guy they argue and was the most angry at is their best friend. They're doing something else. And that's the way we are. If we let this, the thoughts, uh, you let go of the thoughts. So let's say in the Middle East, if they say, I will never let them get away with it. They killed my uncle and da, da, da. Well, then the pain goes on for generations. But if you let it go, then everything flows. How many years I can say to that? A billion times to that. Return to the flow of life. Yeah, letting. But without denial. Right, Fujin. That is a very important message. Yeah, no denial. You really feel it. And you're, you're allowed your feelings. You know, you're, we're allowed the full spectrum of feelings. Love, grace, everything. And anger, rage, whatever. But the key is if you let go of the thoughts that kind of keep it in place. Then it keeps flowing and flowing, and it flows back to what? Our natural state, which is love. Like we said at the very beginning, Satchitananda, that's our natural state. Ah, yes. Thank you again. And with that in mind, uh, let me ask you a question that I think I didn't ask earlier about the purpose of the human experience. Is that possible to identify what that is? Or oh, definitely. I would say is to know thyself, to self-realization, to know you are actually God playing this wonderful adventure on the physical plane so that you can consciously know you are above it all. You are everything, just like the wise men say since time immemorial. So that's our goal, to know thyself. Being open to this natural wisdom. And before we say goodbye, I do have a few more questions for you. But even before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Pick up that book and look at it, and I will say congratulations for your sense of adventure. 
it's the greatest adventure anybody can go on to look within and see, I mean, if you want drama, you got your own inner demons to deal with. And the, the result is like your own godhood. I mean, it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing. It's experienceable. It's not just theory. I would Everything in that book, if I did not somehow experience it, I would not have written that book. If I had not woken up from the dream of the planet, and thank God for Don Miguel Ruiz, who really helped me. If I did not wake up, I would not have written the book. I wouldn't have felt qualified. So all everything I say there is based on direct experience. So take it. And, and if you take that path, all I can say is look out. You might come face to face with your own godhood. Be ready. <laughs> Be ready for the wonderful thing, wonderful event happening. Yes. Oh, yeah. So um, a few more questions for you. I'll ask you this one. How do you define success these days, Dean? Well, I w- it would definitely come from within. So I, one way to be, uh, I mean, there's different levels. Success is to do what you want and being able to live and earn a living. That's one level of success. Another is that no matter what happens in the outside world, you are able to keep centered and, and, and maintain your happiness, your inherent joy. So that means a lot of the kind of tools and practices so that you can be invincible. Because it's a crazy world now. We're going through big changes, the pandemic, everything, everything. And yet that you can keep centered because here's the way we cannot control the madness of the world. But we have ultimate control as how we choose to react to it. So let's say the pandemic, it can bring in, you know, anger, terror, fear, all kinds of things. I understand. But ultimately, it can also bring in compassion, wisdom, patience, uh, the impetus to take action to help. Right. So we do not have to be victims. We can we can use anything, even something as terrible as, you know, all the pandemics and the civil unrest, et cetera, that we're going through and turn it, do divine alchemy and turn it to compassion, wisdom, action to help the situation. And then you'll always be like that cork in the rapids. You know, you always float above it all. You won't get caught. Uh, And let's see, I have two more questions. What is another word for healing? Oh, um, like we said before, to make whole. So let's say mind, body, and spirit are all whole. Oh, wow. Then you are healed. <laughs> yeah. So would be wholeness. Would you say wholeness if you have to use one word? Oh, oh, oh. like wholeness. Another way, you know, in Latin, they have integritas. You have integrity when you are, when something is truly whole, they have an integrity, meaning they are what they are. They're not like what my parents want to be or my peers want me to be. No, I am who I am. And you take it all the way and then you start hearing phrases like you might have read in scriptures. I am that I am. You are so whole and integral to your truth like an animal. All animals are very whole. right? They are what they are. And that's why we can't keep take our eyes off of them. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, the amazing creatures. Yeah, for sure. I have and, a... and babies. And babies. Right? When they're unhappy, they'll cry. When they're happy, they smile. Right? And you can't take your eyes off them. Or a great actor, if they're really great, you know, they are so true to that character, you can't take your eyes off of them. And my last question is, what are three things in life you wish, or what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body? Oh, who they truly are, their own godhood, 
their own Satchitananda, as we said, that you exist, you're consciously aware, and you're in bliss or love. They're kind of synonymous. So that would be one big wish. I mean, if you had that, you got everything, really. <laughs> that is true. And in speaking of wholeness and integrity, you always go back to that message, right? Throughout the interview, you have been going back to that same, communicating that message. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think that's the bottom line of all our work, you know? So everybody has their different path to get there. But basically, that's where we want to get to is to know thyself and know how whole and beautiful and harmonious and radiant you are. Thank you so much again for your presence, for being open to this wisdom that flows through you, everything you do, your book, and how you communicate the message. Thank you so much, Fudin. Oh, you are so welcome. It gives me real joy to spread this kind of news. I think it's the, as I said, the only game in town for me now, like spread the news on this. It makes, I knew it from direct experience, that's what really made me truly happy. And so now I can, I can wish nothing more than have everybody experience their own godhood and their own happiness. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Oh, the book you can get on Amazon, Map of Desire. Uh, then there's my website, fooding at foodingchang.com. Should I spell it? I guess I should. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. I'll have that. Yeah, spelled. okay. Then you can get a lot there. And also on Facebook, FD Chang. That, and I've been pretty active on Facebook spreading these kinds of uh, messages. Thank you so much again, Fudin. And we'll talk soon. Oh, so welcome. Bye for now. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Fu Ding Cheng and his work, please visit fudingcheng.com and www.facebook forward slash fdcheng. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.